0: You're now listening to Adulting with Vicky. It's a coming of age podcast about millennials navigating adulthood. I'll talk about anything from life after college to bridging generational gaps, social media, and most importantly, being your best self. Join me, Vicky Wynn, as I figure out how like to be an adult. What's up, guys? Before we jump into this week's topic on Adulting with Vicky, I want to give a huge thank you to FemiKit for sponsoring this episode. I want to ask you guys How many times do you think about the plastic you use every day? Whether it crosses your mind often or not at all, our choices impact the earth and other people more than we realize, and it's up to us to make smart buying decisions. FemiKit teaches you how to do that through zero waste, one step at a time. You can live happier and healthier through their environmentally friendly and ethical products, guaranteed. For more info, check out their website and get your own zero waste kit at femikit.com. That's F-E-M-I-K-I-T dot com. Now, let's get into this week's episode. I just want to talk about embracing ourselves, you know, our passions and our path, no matter what we think that may be. So today I'm bringing in Kenta Nawi. Kenta, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, um, what you've been up to, who you are, what do you do for a living?
1: Hey, my name is Kentonawi, and I'm uh, these days. I'm calling myself a interdisciplinary designer, artist, and mover, and actually now also a YouTuber. Um, and I'm living in Brooklyn, New York, but uh, originally from the Bay Area.
0: Well, I feel like when I saw what you were up to on Instagram, Facebook, pretty much all social media, when I saw that you know you're a designer, you're living in New York, you're doing a bunch of creative projects and everything, for me, it just kind of made sense from what I was able to pull from my limited knowledge about you in high school. And so a lot of the times I think people, whether they know you well or not, they have expectations of what you're going to do. And so I'm kind of curious to know, like when you started your journey to adulthood, you know, when you're 18, graduating high school, what were you like at that point that, you know, not everybody knows
1: Yeah, so when I graduated high school, I would say I was a very driven and ambitious person. Not that I'm not now, but I'm a lot more, well, since it's called adulting, Mm. I joke that I'm a lot more jaded now, but really it's just I've had to face the realities of some practical things and I had to fail a bunch of times and kind of each time chips away a little bit at your... I don't want to say gusto, but it's just made made me smarter. So I would say like when I was 18, I was kind of super, uh, it was all about energy. Um, so I was like always super excited. I'm like, I'm going to work on everything and I'll be everywhere. And, you know, over the years, that has led me to just starting personal projects. Like I ran my own magazine out of college. I thought I wanted to start an agency. So I tried doing that at like 22. Those things did not work out. And it was a learning lesson at the time. I was, you know, I was devastated and I thought I was a failure. But, you know, as an adult, I look back and I see, well, those are phases that I had to go through. Those were learning experiences. So for lack of better words, I think even though I am still very hyperactive or I should say passionate and still very, very driven. Now the resources are less about energy and just like running headfirst into a wall and more about kind of figuring out where the door is in that wall, how to open it. And then, of course, at the end of the day, you open the door, realize it's a cliff, and you do have to jump off. But, yeah, that's kind of me in high school versus, versus me now.
0: I kind of feel like a lot of the times, you know, when we're young, you use the word gusto. Like, we haven't necessarily gone through the experiences that we would as an adult and learn from it and mature from it. I think there's a sense of innocence in that, where we're kind of like, oh, yeah, like, we can... Achieve anything we want to. Everything is like perfect rainbows. We look at adulthood through rose colored glasses because, you know, when we're 17, 18, we've been born in a time where, you know, a lot of people say millennials are idealistic and unrealistic yeah. because of, you know, the way our parents raise us to kind of like coddle us. And not to say that that's true for all cases, but, you know, when we learn about our failures, we stop seeing it as such a negative thing, we see it as a lesson you talked about how you started a lot of projects and, you know, they in your terms failed or, you know, they became unfinished. And I totally relate to that too. There's a lot of things that you start and you don't finish. But the crazy thing is like people on the outside, they look at it and they're like, wow, he's successful. Look at everything he's doing. When your project falls off, they don't realize that it falls off. They just kind of have this image like, oh, he's going after like, all of these things, and he's so successful. And then I think it sets that expectation that, you know, like, is always, like, successful. He's always, like, kind of at this high bar. And then we start to unfairly compare ourselves with that standard that other people set for us because they expect us to keep doing this. And, you know, sometimes we feel like we're not who they want us to be, but we want to be that for them. And sometimes we lose ourselves in that. You know, is is that something that you kind of went through, whether in college or after college?
1: Yeah, just wanted to step backwards and and validate what you're saying, which is that I totally agree about. I think people always see your successes, especially on social media, and they have this idea of you, and they're like, oh, they're this person who works here or, like, does this, you know, that's so awesome. And I just want to say that, That knowledge itself has helped me so much in just doing whatever the fuck I want. Even though it is still very scary, just like I'm still working through it. But one thing that's held me back is this idea that people actually care about. (laughs) you I mean they care about you but in in the social media world and really people outside of your six really close friends like they're not they're like watching your life from a periphery and they just have an idea of you right so yes in that you know maybe they only see your successes and that can hurt you and that maybe you feel like you need to live up to expectation but also I found as I'm getting older that that knowledge that you know they don't they're not really paying attention has made me feel like, oh, I'll just do whatever I want and I'll just pursue things. And if they fall off, like nobody, nobody even knew you fell off, you know, because yeah. you're already on to the next thing. And they just have this idea like, oh, you're this creative entrepreneur or you're this creative who's constantly just pushing through and pushing things out. Um, to answer your question about the question is whether I felt somehow obligated to be a version of myself or somebody. I would say you know this is so cliche, but maybe maybe in my my um, younger um, you know early twenties, mid twenties, I'm you know I'm I'm starting to get on the other, I'm starting to get closer to thirty than I am um, in my twenties, so that's kind of weird. But you know I'm still very very young, and, I, and I'm grateful for that. <laughs> but I would say in my in my early and mid twenties, yes, I it was less of me feeling like oh I need to be a certain version for somebody else. It was more that there was this version of myself that was perpetuated in the echo chamber of my brain and that may or may not have been validated by what I thought other people saw me as. And I was really obsessed with labels. I was really obsessed with like, I am this, I am that. And that's how people see me. And, and that's why i said in the beginning that you know i'm calling myself these days as xyz because that's how we are as humans we change the way we we identify change based on what we're doing in the moment so as i'm getting older i'm i'm definitely less and less inclined to you know feel like i need to be a version for somebody else and just be myself because number one thing that's important is just happiness and for me, I can't be happy if I just can't be truly myself. And even on my vlogs, like my message is always about. It's like even with my vlogs, the the message is about authenticity and being yourself, and that's really big value for me. So you know, how can you talk about pursuing your dreams and and being yourself and being true if you yourself aren't doing your best to practice that? Because I do find it a practice. I think we live in a culture that makes it hard to do so.
0: And I know you, you said that, you know, you didn't have this type of mindset when you were in your early 20s, or your mid 20s and everything. So I'm kind of curious to see what led you to the point that you are at now that you are so self empowered, and kind of understand what makes you happy at this point. So like, what, what was your life like when you were in college, what did you do after college? Like, what 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 were the career choices you made, or the things that you learned from relationships, friendships, um, having balance in your life? Like with health, I think a lot of people who do pursue um, their creative passions they kind of forget to take care of themselves because they feel like. Going after what they want to do is for them. They mix work and relaxation with that a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. So let's break it down. The first question is just generally what has led me to be a little bit more empowered or whatnot. I want to demystify that first of all. Um, <laughs> I definitely feel a lot more confident in my own skin and I feel quote unquote empowered. Maybe I'm better at coming off that way, but you know, I'm definitely full of insecurities and doubts, and I know we'll get to that in a second here, but yeah, I'm, I'm only human, and um, I'm only empowered on the good days. This morning, I woke up, looked at my Kickstarter campaign, I was like, fuck, how am I gonna even do this, you know? But You're right. I do feel a lot more at the end of the day when I'm like sitting down with myself, I do feel a lot more level-headed and confident and grounded um, than maybe I was when I was even two, three years ago. So I always thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I always thought I wanted to be a creative that was going to change the world and, you know, that I was going to be the storyteller and have a magazine and run an agency, like I said earlier, and I had this identity and idea about myself, you know, that I was going to make millions of dollars by 30 and and that would be great, but I I tried. I, I did. I tried as much as a 22 and 23 year old could. I tried. I mean, some people are out there just like fucking killing it at like 18, 19 and great, and that's good for them. They things align for them. They worked really hard to get there. Um, that was not my story. Um, I tried. I think I worked hard for it. We ran a magazine. It was really fun. It was a great experience. We traveled for it. My business partners were, you know, awesome. It just wasn't the right fit at the right time with the project and what we were going through. And um, and yeah, I was. <laughs> I thought I was a failure. You know, I wasn't making money. I had moved to New York. I was broke. Um, like literally, like starting my journey to debt, which. Hello, kids, don't go in debt, <laughs> which I know it's very hard, I know. So the key thing here is that uh, that was an awesome failure. Uh, I, I'm so glad I went through that because um, I think you don't appreciate quote-unquote success if you have it too easily mm-hmm. um, and if you have it too soon. Um and your idea of success constantly changes, right? So for me at the time, my idea of success was I was going to be this young creative entrepreneur and I was going to do all these things. It didn't work out. And it completely shifted my idea. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm a failure because it didn't match with what I thought was success. After that, I went to work for a startup. Then I kind of you know, had my experience of making money because I got to work at a startup Um And then from there, I was like, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I got to go and do my own thing again. So, you know, parted ways there, and I started trying to consult again. Um, Of course, keep in mind, the last time I tried to consult, I was twenty to twenty-three, and it was a bust. You know, not a bust, but you know, you, it's it takes time. And when you're at that age, I didn't have the skill sets quite yet to know how to get clients and stuff. I still didn't after I quit my startup, so I still kind of struggled and struggled. And then um, I actually worked uh, landscaping for a little bit. So um, I was I was like literally I was broke. Like I was, you know, I I'm very privileged to have parents that can financially support me every once in a while. So I had to have that. I had to ask my mom for money sometimes. And that's a reality that I think some kids have the privilege of having. And it's okay. It's like, that's what it is. We're here to support each other. You know, it's okay to ask for help. Now, it's what you do with that help. So I was, you know, every once in a while I had to ask for money. I worked landscaping, you know, and that was so crazy because I went to design school. I always thought I was this, you know, for me at the time, I thought landscaping construction was like, Something that I would never do, you know. Um, I was literally eating beans and rice. Like, I was literally going out and buying the cheapest, like, the Goya brand beans and rice. Not that this is some, like, yeah, I hustled real hard and I was broke. But, like, you know, I had those months where I had to do that. And then, finally, like, yeah, one thing led to another. And I had a friend who, who basically took a chance on me and gave me some work at her studio. Um, and that was a great experience learning how she does it. And then after that, she went off to start her another startup of hers, and she kind of threw me work every once in a while. And I am, like, eternally grateful to her. And I wish I had more words and more time to always tell her how grateful I am because even though for her it was just, like, maybe just hiring some younger person to help around the studio, to me it made a huge, huge difference, and that actually helped me propel my client work forward and then fast forward it's very long I've tried mm-hmm. many things fast forward I was actually starting to be able to freelance and then my friend last year finished up his uh, MBA and we wanted to collaborate together so one thing led to another and we started an agency and that I was actually growing you know if we had continued to do it this year I think you know we would have definitely been able to And this isn't that much in terms of an actual business, but for two people, you know, we could have definitely, uh, increased it to like six, you know, six figures and stuff like that. And yeah, but, and here's the kicker going to your health thing. I just realized I didn't want to run an agency, you know, it's the way we were running it. I was getting burned out and I realized I'm not really enjoying this type of work. Um, I enjoy some parts of it. I enjoy some of my clients, Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, why am I, Why are we burning ourselves out and putting our friendship on jeopardy when this isn't necessarily the right environment for us? So that's what I would, some people might look at as a failure number two, right? Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it is, quote unquote, failure number one when I was 22 running an agency was I just didn't have the skill set to do this. I didn't know how to get clients. I didn't know how to execute to the fullest that I know now. And I did it. It didn't work out great. I had to go find a job that made me money. I come back at 26 at the time, and I basically did it again. Was able to find clients, was able to make money, was able to generate value from people, but realized actually that's not what was making me happy. So this year, because I'm moving to Europe next year, this year I made it a point to do work that really fulfills me and start to transition my life into YouTubing and vlogging and storytelling and MDR, the studio that we'll talk about, and having my own clients that I can personally work with and being very picky about who I have work relationships with. And so this is the first year that I've really kind of started to prioritize what makes me happy, but how do I scale that so it's financially sustainable as well.
0: Okay, wow. So, I mean, that's definitely a lot. You've been through, like, you've been through a lot in your 20s. Sorry. No, (laughs) never never apologize for that. Because the thing is, I think a lot of the times when, you know, you you finish college, you think there's going to be a linear path that you can take where, like, you know, it's, oh, it makes sense. I went to school for this. So I'm going to find a job in X and then move my way up the ladder and then, you know, get all those benefits and have, like, just have the skills to kind of jump to another job until you get to what you really want. But the thing is, it's not like that. And it's not like that for everyone. You learn from your failures. Well, not really failures, but you just learn from all of your experiences. And so, like, I'm I'm really interested in the fact that, you know, you're moving to Europe. You mm-hmm. are you're trying to curate your clients to what you want to do and mm-hmm. really kind of take your life and make it exactly what you want it to be. And mm-hmm. I feel like not a lot of people feel like they have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. Um and so for you like in doing this, is there like any community or any other things in your life that kind of just remind you of, you know, who you really are and what you really want? You know, we get ahead of ourselves sometimes and caught up in our head.
1: Yes, I'm so happy you asked this question. So, the biggest thing I learned this year through the help of people who are smarter than me is like it's so again so cliche but these like success things that you read online and people tell you on YouTube it's it's true okay so for me at least people would tell me all the time surround yourself with uh, like-minded folks and surround yourself with you know be in an environment where you feel others are pushing for your success right and this is so true, and I think this is one of the biggest reasons why a city like New York, though it feels like it puts you through the ringer, is a great place to to move to. Or trying to find something similar online or within your own community is surround yourself with folks who are collectively going to push for your success, and let them support you, because that's a lesson in itself to let other people actually help you, but also. Be sure to equally support them and add value to them. So this year, I joined a mastermind group, and for those of you who don't know, uh, it can take many shapes. But for my mastermind group, my friend Andrew uh, invited a couple really capable folks, um, entrepreneurs, um, you know, amazing designers, photographers, people who are doing their own things, um, to people who want to and. I find these people to be some of the most capable individuals I know in my life um, who have kind of gone through similar experiences. And it's a really great group. And, you know, once a month we check in with each other and we have accountability buddies. And the point is, it's that what I've really learned that is if you want to succeed, if you want to see your goals or your dreams happen, you have to create... A support system around you and I always thought I was this lone creative wolf and oh, I don't need anybody I'm, I'm just gonna go do it and really what I realized after years of, of um, friend therapy <laughs> was that I was just um, I just didn't I felt worthless I didn't feel confident in myself I didn't feel like I was worthy of other people's attention or time so I had a really hard time asking for help and letting people support me um, and I love supporting people because it, it it perpetuates my ego that I don't need help from others, right? Mm. So I realized I'm putting up all these defense mechanisms. And the moment I started to slowly just say, hey, I do need your support, you know? I'm doing my best, but I need your support. Can I just... You know, can you just hold me accountable so that at the end of the month I reach out to five different clients because I really need to find new clients? Or, hey, I really want to quit my job and I want to pursue photography. So you go and you find three photographer friends or friends of friends or whatever, and you talk to them, you research, you bring them as part of your advisory group, you know, and then you reach out to three other friends who are really good at holding you accountable and you say, hey, Can you just hold me accountable? Like, I'm going to, I just want to produce work. I just want to do, you know, three portraits this month. It'll make such a difference for you to have people there for you and choose friends that are like going to be down for your cause. But the more you do that, the more you'll start to surround yourself with people in the same industry. You'll start to pass projects along. Or if it's just a personal emotional thing, you'll be with other people that are emotionally going through the same thing. And you're going to be able to rely on them. They're going to be able to rely on you. And asking and giving is within the same ecosystem. You have to do both. So that's like the biggest lesson that I've learned this year that has really, quote unquote, empowered me or made it Made me feel almost invincible because I'm like, I can't fail. I can't fail because because my friends won't let me fail. I can't fail because I have friends that I don't want to let down. And ultimately, I can't fail because I don't look at failure anymore. And this is about me. And if I say I'm going to do something, I have to fucking do it. If I don't fucking do it, it doesn't matter other people are going to live their lives. It matters to me. And the more you start to hold yourself accountable through the help of your friends sometimes the more you start to say, oh, whatever I say I'm going to do, I do. And then that's what I mean by stacking success. And then slowly your mindset changes. You're like, I could do everything I want. I can do anything I want as long as I believe that it's already successful and I just need to – it's like DDR, (laughs) right? Like the song is already there. Yeah. You're going to get to the end. But you're on expert mode, and you're just going to have to do all the fucking steps and sweat and practice and practice and practice so many times. And once you f- complete all the steps perfectly, then the song is over. You get to go to the next level. Like, that's... See, I'm starting to wake up now. That That's how I, that's how I see it, you know? So it's like, for me, this Kickstarter, MDR, my move to Europe, everything I want to do, it's already done. It's happened. I'm successful, right? Either way, whether or not it happens the way I see it, I'm already successful. I have I have a loving partner, you know, I have amazing friends, I have amazing family, I have amazing community, I have a body. I'm so privileged. Every day I got to remember how grateful I am, right? Again, another cliche, but it's so true. And, yeah, and then ultimately it's like now I just got to do the crazy levels. Like I got to be jumping, doing two steps, right, left, up, down, um, and if I can successfully put myself through that, then I get to go to the next level. But if I can, then it's so cool It's cool too. But then you got to say, do I do it again or do I try another song? That's just how it is. DDR.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly love that you uh, brought up that metaphor. <laughs> Sandstorm with my shit. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, that's so true. And I think, you know, there are so many themes as to what you just talked about about you know there's being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and reaching out to people letting them know that you need help um being transparent with other people and yourself you know just being honest that like hey what I'm doing isn't working out but I think you know having an accountability buddy um like a friend or something really is helpful and something that you and I previously talked about was you know imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. I feel like when you Once you get to a point where you're comfortable with yourself, you're honest with yourself, and you're starting to find that confidence and that community and, you know, having a sense of support, you stop being in your head about your previous expectations for yourself and feeling like an imposter in your own body. You start to feel like yourself. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um I still have imposter syndrome. I think the best thing that ever happened to me was um, there's an artist, Lisa Congdon. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. But I got to interview her for a magaz- the magazine I was running. And we actually asked her about imposter syndrome a couple years ago. And um, she said she still goes through it. And maybe that's different now, but, you know, she's, she's, a, she's a little bit older than us. And I just really appreciate her vulnerability and her work, of course, online and the work of a lot of other artists that I follow. And, you know, it's also so amazing when they all talk about that they still go through imposter syndrome because you look at these, you look up to these people and you're like, oh, OK, because imposter syndrome is just very human, right? Um, so I still go through it, but I do think what you do get better at is how to cope with it, how to push through it, right? It's like again this morning I woke up, I looked at my Kickstarter and I was like, Fuck, you know what I mean? Or I'm like, I'm not worthy. Like I still I still slip into my old habits because you know, habits don't actually die. You have to rewire them. So um so for me it's like, oh, I start feeling inadequate or unworthy or insecure. But I think I've gotten to a point and have the support system for people to tell me, Hey, no, you're you're fine or for me to just be like, fuck it, like I feel like shit. But traditionally or based on my last couple experiences, I know that I can do this, you know? So like even client work, I'll get clients and I'm like, Oh man, how am I gonna do this? Am I good enough to do this? But then you're like, Wait, well, fuck, I do this all the time. Like, let's I just gotta start putting yourself in the motion. I think it's like, um, I love analogies, right? But it's like right before a race, you're so in your head, right? Well, some people are. I am, right? I get so nervous. I used to play tennis, right, competitively, or even dancing, right? When you're battling, you're so, and you can get so in your head, oh, am I good enough? Oh, my gosh, am I going to mess up? Whatever. The moment you actually hop into that cypher, the moment you, you, you start running or you start playing, you hit your first serve, like, that's it. This is what you practice for. Like, you just hit flow, and you go. And that's how I think about it too. Like, you have all this imposter syndrome. So, for me, I just have to go. Cause for me, if I go, I'll flow. If I I'll go, I'll flow. Fall, winter 2019 merch dropping Kenta Thomas.
0: <laughs> <Messed up. laughs> yeah. And okay. So, like, going into that, um, you talking about, you know, just go. Uh, that reminds me of the what you're working on right now with yeah. MDR. Um, I saw the video that you had on Kickstarter and you talked about how movement is so many things and it means different things to different people. Yeah, It could be, you know, like if you're an activist, if you're a dancer, if yeah. you're an athlete, anything. Like yeah. movement has so much meaning. And yeah. so can you talk a little bit about MDR for people who no- don't know about it? The whole project, your Kickstarter, I think, you know, I think a lot of people would be, so down to support this cuz it is it's amazing just go
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much for that yeah i'm going to plug myself here but um mdr is a very personal project of mine to give you context my, my design work has been um very 2d i'm a digital designer mostly and i consult and i move i dance on the side but actually dancing i've been doing for over like 12 13 years it might even be 15 years real soon um so it's it's been a minute, I've been dancing for some time, and it's been the most consistent thing in my life in terms of arts. I've also done spoken word, I do film, you know, um, but I've never really had a way to incorporate it in my life, um, you know, coming from an Asian American background, right, like, the arts ain't gonna pay, especially dancing, so, you know, I kind of just, you know, I did design, which is the safest creative, uh, financially creative route you can take in a lot of ways, and so it's very personal to me in that I'm finally taking a step to, again, because this year is about refining and about finally being at a point where I can say, okay, I'm feeling a little bit more stable in my freelance life. And um, let me try something that's very, very personal to me. So long story long, um, I'm finally kind of combining my, all my passions, my passions in dance and movement, my passion in design, my passion in storytelling. And MDR stands for Movement Design Research Studio. And it's a studio that strives to explore, experiment, and exhaust all possible angles of the concept of movement. So we do these multi-layered narrative projects. Um, What I mean by that is, you know... We do installations and exhibits that are performative or interactive. We do films. We do campaigns. We're building out a first clothing kit. You know, we're creating a experimental bag system. Like, um, so we do everything, you know, and it's very collaborative. And uh, my goal is not for this to be my job per se and that it's the sole thing that I'm working on. But it's constantly rotating crew of collaborators who come in and we just say, yo, let's. Let's do something really interesting here. You know, um, this is my shift from thinking more like a designer and thinking more like an artist, and saying what cultural impact, what cultural project can I can I produce here that's not going to just be a website for a client. Um, so, yeah, that's that's MDR, and in on October I'm, we're launching this studio as a three day immersive movement exhibit. Uh, in Lower East Side of Manhattan, and we're gonna build out this eight x eight interactive movement structure. Where, again, going into DDR, but um, you know, think about it as like an adult jungle gym, and or parkour gym. If you're familiar with parkour, you know you can touch the poles; they'll light up. They'll give you sound cues, and there's a freestyle mode. But the game mode is kind of what my brother and I joke: it's like DDR. So different parts of the cube will light up mm-hmm. and you have to go and grab those cubes uh grab the pole and and it'll make sound every time you grab it so basically you're getting to play music so it's going to be really fun it's open to public and people can come play in it and we're also going to be showcasing the products that we're developing and photography and um, short films that i've been shooting with local movers in new york and uh yeah, it's a really big ordeal. It's the biggest one, and obviously, on a project like this, is definitely not cheap. And so, I've thrown in as much money as I can from my own pocket. But fortunately, unfortunately, I I am turning now to Kickstarter and to my community to to help me. So that's that's kind of what led me to the Kickstarter project that is out now. <laughs> so,
0: um, wh- how can people find you or find? the Kickstarter if they want to support.
1: Yeah. So you can go to MDR.studio. Um, that's our website. Very easy. MDR.studio. Uh, we will have our Kickstarter link there. You can also find me on Instagram. It's all you'll see is about this Kickstarter. Um, it's Kenta Thomas. That's me on Instagram. We also have a Instagram. Uh, you can type in Movement Design Research Studio on Instagram or MDR. Maybe it'll pop up. MDR.studio. Yes, yeah, how you can find me. Unless you're friends with me on Facebook or maybe you'll share it or something. Yeah, of course. Alright, cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> I
0: don't honestly. know. Yeah, I mean, just all the stuff that you're that you've gone through, yeah. like throughout your your whole twenties and all of this stuff, like I think a lot of people, you know, really do relate to it. And yeah. so, you know, thanks for being on the show. Is there any last thing that you want to say to the listeners?
1: Yeah. Uh, this is another plug,
0: but <laughs> here's here- go for it.
1: Here's uh here's a lesson I'm really learning is that it's okay to plug yourself because it goes back to asking for help and if you really want to achieve something like you got to kind of do what you got to do. But I have a YouTube channel. You can find me there at, you know, Kent Thomas Now or Kent Now. I'm sure I'll pop up. I'd love it um if you enjoyed any of our conversation, a lot of the content that I produce is about creative entrepreneurship living your best life going out there pursuing your dreams and actually moving into how do you financially monetize those things so yeah please check it out i'm super obnoxious on it (laughs) but uh find me on youtube and hit me up i'd I'd love to be friends
0: awesome well thank you and for all you listeners out there i will give you guys more information if you want to follow and then yeah i'll talk to you next week bye let me ask you something what does movement mean to you I bet we get a mixed bag of answers. Whether you're a dancer, activist, entrepreneur, or something else, we all have a special relationship with movement. A friend of mine, Kenda Thomas, is expanding on this concept through his very personal project called MDR, or Movement Design Research. He's putting on a three-day immersive movement exhibit called Move Different in New York City from October 19th through the 21st. It'll feature an 8 foot by 8 foot movement structure for the public to experience, along with clothing explorations, photography, and short films highlighting movers in the community. This will be his last project before moving to Europe and his first step in creating spaces for the movement culture to explore and experiment within the many nuances of their practice and relationship as a mover. Check out his Kickstarter and consider helping this project come to life. You can find out more information on his Instagram at Kenda Thomas or at Movement Design Research. You can also find more information at mdr.studio. As always, thank you for tuning in to Adulting with Vicky. I'm continually working hard to improve the show, so if you have any feedback or topic ideas or want advice on anything, you can get in contact with me online at victoriadnguin.com or hello.victoriadnguin at gmail.com. Audio Engineering by Nicole Garcia. Intro Remix, courtesy of Shadow. Find him on Instagram as El Shadow. that's E-L-S-H-D-W. You can also keep up with me via Instagram. My handle is VictoriaDNuiz underscore. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you have a minute, it would mean so much to me if you rate and write a review for the show. Thank you so much again, guys. I'll talk to you next time.